Welcome to the Artist Work Ethic Podcast. I'm Mike Pilak. I'm an actor, screenwriter, and filmmaker who's always looking to maximize my time and potential as I work to break in. In this podcast, I talk to artists of all kinds who have seen success in their fields about their process, habits, and work ethic. Today on the show is Sean Stern. Sean is the singer and guitar player for the influential punk band Youth Brigade, which he formed in Los Angeles in 1980 alongside his brothers Mark and Adam. Sean then co-founded BYO Records, which put out releases by The Bouncing Souls, Seven Seconds, among many others. These days, Sean runs the annual Punk Rock Bowling Music Festival in Las Vegas and still takes the stage with Youth Brigade. A couple quick things before we jump into the episode. I've talked in the past about myself working on breaking into screenwriting. Please check out blackoilfilms.com screenwriting. There you can check out some of the screenplays I've written. I have the first 10 pages of each one uploaded, but feel free to email me at theartistsworkethicpodcast at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to send you a full script if you're interested in reading. Last thing before we get into the episode, I would love anyone listening to subscribe, rate, and review the Artist's Work Ethic Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us put the show out there for more people to listen to. All right, Sean, thank you for coming on with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So through punk rock, we both come from some kind of a, a DIY-ish background. How has that mindset influenced your work ethic from your early days up through today? You know, it, it's just been a situation where we didn't we never went to business school. We never studied business. We don't know shit about business. We just did everything DIY because it was the only way we could do things. You know, we we didn't really have a choice. So when you talk about DIY, it was not, you know, people came on later and heard this term. That term didn't exist. It was just, yeah, you want to do a show. All clubs don't want to do punk rock anymore because there's been too many problems. So we got to go out and find a place to do it. You know, the strip club, maybe he wants to do it. Find a hall and rent it. Put a record out. Okay, how do you do a record? And we go down and we talk to the guy at the pressing plant and the guy who made the labels and the, you know, and we we just taught ourselves. I mean, it it really goes back. You know, we we had a house in Hollywood that we rented, and I, you know, my brother and I had done a little bit of construction, soundproofing a garage when we started the band. Same sort of thing. You know, it's always been that way in our whole lives. You know. Well, we don't have the money to pay somebody to do this. And it didn't even occur to us that you would hire people to do these things. It was just, how do you do it? Let's figure it out. To the point of going, you know, there was no internet. We'd go to the library. When I had to do plumbing and I didn't know what I was doing, I'd ask the guy at the hardware store. And whatever I didn't understand, I'd get a book from the library. Same thing on booking shows. Same thing. You know, we just figure it out. Ask a lot of questions trial and error, make some mistakes, but we are also extremely lucky too. So you were, you've worked with a lot of bands over the years through punk rock bowling, BYO records. Do you see a, a pretty clear connection between the bands who continue to work hard through the years and the ones that end up with a, you know, we'll call it successful or, or, a, or a true career out of it? Yeah, as far as the punk bands go, yes, definitely. I mean, that I, I would tell bands when you know when the label was back up and running in the '90s through the last you know 
25 years until the last eight to 10 years, we'd pretty much not been doing much, but I would always tell bands, look, when I was making a pitch to them that why they should sign with us, I'd say, look, I, I can't tell you, you're going to sell a million records and make millions of dollars. But what I can, what I can show you is how, if you're willing to work, you can earn a living playing music and doing something you love. It will be a lot of work, you know, and most bands are all, yeah, sure. Um, that sounds great. Not a lot of them actually followed through on that. Bouncing Souls are a great example of a band that actually listened to us for the most part and has done, you know, what we said. They made a career and they make a living playing music, doing something that they really love. Do you do you think a lot of that is just the the perseverance and persistence of, you know, in the case of a band, always being on the road, always writing and just doing those things that they need to do to to continue progressing forward? Yeah, I mean, that's the ideal, right? Um, and then there's a lot of dumb luck, too. You know, there, there are bands that don't do that and they get a hit song and they just explode. I mean, it's, you know, that's market economy. Who knows? But I, I think that there is something to be said for being able to go do the work, write music, go out and play, build an audience, and you make lifelong fans and you, you make a career out of it. Sure. I, I think that's the tried and true way to do it, you know, and it works for most bands. If you can, there's also the chemistry of the members of the band. And, you know, there's a lot of factors, of course, but that whole idea of DIY it's it's a lot of work people a lot of people don't understand that but there is a lot of work when bands are on the road you know 250 concerts in a year going all over the world and putting out a record every year or two a lot of work so you've done a lot in your career between youth brigade byo punk rock bowling do you think the work ethic that you've got that's allowed you levels of success with all these projects comes from how you were raised or some other external factor in your life? I mean, I think there's something about how we were raised. You know, we we were lucky enough that our my dad was a doctor and then he started writing for TV and we moved to, to California when we were young. But we always had to do chores. Um, we got a small allowance, which didn't really cover much. And so we were always encouraged to go out and you know, you want, you want that thing, then go out and work, you know? So we, we lived in Toronto. We used to shovel snow in the winter, rake leaves in the fall and, you know, sell lemonade on the corner in the spring and summer when we were six, seven, eight years old. Um, and then we moved to California, you know, we started in all kinds of little businesses and I, I started working jobs when I was 13, 14 years old. So it's always been a thing that if you want you know, if you want things, you're going to have to work and you're going to have to earn money. And that was something that was instilled in us. And then we took that and realized, okay, these are, this is how things work. And it's, it's not that difficult to figure out. So if you're working from when you're a teenager, you understand, Hey, I really don't want to have to spend my life working these shit jobs. So if there's a way that I can avoid this, I'd like to do that. And uh, music came up and uh, pr promoting shows and music and starting a record label, all these things. They just sort of fell in our lap. And even even in the times in between when we took some time off and I worked some other jobs, I realized I don't I don't want to work for if if I'm lucky enough and have something that people are interested in that I don't have to work for someone else doing something that I'm not happy doing. I I prefer that even if I'm not you know going to be successful 
making millions of dollars or whatever, or just so long as I can pay the rent and pay the bills and, and, and do what I want to do and have a good time and make my own schedule and stuff, then that's what I prefer to do. I'm extremely lucky to be able to do that. So how are you these days structuring your, your day-to-day to balance, you know, what you've got going on professionally and just balancing that with the rest of your life? I'm a workaholic. So I wake up in the morning and I go straight to work and I work all day, take a little time off here, a little time off there. And basically in the last 15, 20 years, I, I try to, I mean, I've traveled so much in my life just on tours. So that's become the next thing, right? I, I go out with my, with my partner and, and, you know, she's from Italy and we, we travel, I've been traveling with her in the last, you know, eight, 10 years. And it's weird because I'm so used to going to places and just staying one night and then going to the next. And she does art conservation and every town we go, she's going to go into every little church that's in there. And, you know, I really get to explore cities. So it's a, a different way of traveling, but that's really for me, the thing I look most forward to these days, besides the festival and going out and seeing bands and having a good time is just being able to travel with her and just see the world in, in a different perspective than, Hey, I'm here to play a show. And uh, then I'm moving on to another city the next day. It's not exactly ideal way to see places. <laughs> yeah. From, from the inside of a venue and a, uh, and a van. Yeah. In thinking about goal setting, I, I'm, I love the whole concept of goal setting. It's one of the things that helps keep me focused and, you know, on task with what I'm trying to do. How would you say you organize yourself, you know, either short-term, long-term to facilitate your vision for whatever project you might be working on? It's still pretty DIY. Like I said, I never took any classes. It just, it's a matter of, you know, what's worked in the past. So the experience of doing the things that I've done and how I understand what works and what doesn't work and moving forward and just always trying to be aware that everything's changing all the time. I mean, we live in a pretty crazy world. The, the digital revolution of the last 20 years has been uh, a huge event changing for the music business. Obviously, the physical record company business is not what it was. It, it's completely changed. I would argue that it doesn't even really exist anymore. There's a lot of really good things about the fact that anyone can make music because you can use computers and um, and get their music out through YouTube and social media platforms, which is wonderful. But, you know, and, and think if you think about it, there were certain people involved in music for since since rec recorded music existed, who were basically the, the gatekeepers of who got to get in and who didn't. Um, and that was terrible because there's plenty of musicians, plenty of great artists out there that never got an opportunity. You know, you know, these kids started a band in high school. They played in their garage, hence the garage band term. And they played for their friends and locally. And then they decided to go get jobs. They needed to get jobs because couldn't make a living or go to college or whatever it was. And you never heard from them. So that was unfortunate. But now you have the opposite. In this this country, especially, things swing from one extreme to another. You know, this system is, un, you know, it's not fair to everybody. Great. Let's fix it. Okay. And then you swing to a complete opposite pendulum. So now you got digital revolution. So before, 
you had to have money to buy the equipment. You had to have money to find a, a record label behind you. And they were only going to decide on, you know, they were making the decisions on what was and what wasn't good. Right now it swung completely opposite. It's for such huge freedom that anyone can make a recording. You know, you see that on things like all these TV shows, like the next American idol, where someone becomes famous because they're terrible, you know, and that that's the thing. So now, Anybody can record something and put it up on TikTok or YouTube doesn't mean they should. Just because you can doesn't mean you should, you know? There are a lot of really mediocre, a lot of mediocre art being made in the world. It's very similar with filmmaking, you know? Yeah. I mean, at this point now, you can, there's, you know, a whole category basically of of iPhone films and they they look great, but the same thing with music. If the, if the backbone isn't there, it's just going to kind of go onto YouTube or wherever and just sort of sit, you know? Yeah. And, it, and well, the thing to me is, you know, my, my father's a filmmaker, two of my brothers work in the film business film. It, it, this is all, and music is too, to a certain extent, it's all storytelling. Right. And the story is the most important. And a lot of people, uh, you know, I wrote a song some years back called all style, no substance, you know, and that, and that's really what it is. The substance is important. You know, style is great, but it only takes you so far. If you don't have that stuff, substance, if you don't have the story, if you don't have meaning and something that will inspire people, to me, you're a flash in the pan. And there's plenty of flashes in the pan, and some of them become super famous. But just because you sound like someone or you make a movie that looks like something doesn't mean it's the same thing as that great movie that you're trying to riff on or that great song that you're trying to riff on. It's important to, know why these things are great and i always i i always sort of believe that there's plenty of good bands out there um, but the difference between a good band and a great band is good bands oh they sound like this band they sound like that band a great band takes all those influences and makes something of their own out of it right not everybody can do that and there's a lot of mediocrity out there right now and i mean i guess you hope the cream of the crop the cream will rise to the top doesn't always, but we can hope. Awesome insights. Do you want to plug anything or talk about anything else before we go? Um, well, you know, of course, Punk Rock Bowling uh, next year in 2023. It'll be Punk Rock Bowling 23 in 2023, right? Um, that will be happening on Memorial Day weekend in Las Vegas. It's going to be a pretty awesome lineup. Um, but yeah, it's going to be uh, a pretty awesome um just, I mean, if you've ever been, you you know, we 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 do we do a pretty amazing weekend. It's it's get to the point where people start buying tickets. We did a blind sale this year; it's bigger than we've ever done, and we probably could have done it even bigger. So it's a, it's pretty awesome. I just hope people will uh, come out. It's a great great weekend. If you've never been there, if you've been there, you know, um, you you get to see a lot of great bands you know, and then uh, hopefully a lot of new bands you didn't know about that you may uh, may love and become a fan of and meet a lot of great new people and see your old friends too. Awesome. Sean, thank you for coming on with me today. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening today. Please subscribe to the Artist Work Ethic Podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and please rate and review the show. Follow us on Instagram at the Artist's Work Ethic and check out theartistsworkethic.com.